Hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. My name is Calvin. If uh, this is your first time listening, I'm excited that you're here with me today. Uh, today is the first episode of something I'm doing called Ask Me Anything. And so this week I actually put out on social media and said, hey, if you could ask a pastor one question, what would that question be? And I got quite a few replies. Uh, some of them were fun. Some of them were very serious. And so today I'm going to do my best to um, at least adequately answer a few of the questions uh, that I was given. I've wanted to do this for a while. And so I picked a few of them and we're going to go after them today. Uh, but please understand while I, I do my best uh, to give an educated, comprehensive answer, uh, a podcast is not the platform, nor uh, is there the time really to answer these questions uh, exhaustively. And while I am a pastor and I love helping you grow in your relationship with Christ on this podcast, the podcast is not a substitute for being plugged in to a local church. Please understand me when I say that it is not a substitute for you being plugged into a local church, sitting under sound biblical teaching week in and week out, and ongoing study of the Bible or one-on-one uh, -on -one discipline, okay? This is not a substitute for that. This podcast is not a substitute, so please make sure you have those things as a part of your life. If you don't yet, I would really encourage you uh, to make that a priority for you and your family, but if I happen to be your pastor, and uh, you're listening. I'm very honored that you're hanging out with me today. And uh, while I, you know this, actually, and if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I don't take myself too seriously, but I do take uh, my calling that God has given me very seriously because I know that I'm going to be judged greater uh, as one who's been tasked with preaching and teaching of the Word of God. So with all of that being said, Let's get into the first question uh, today, and uh, this is a pretty immediately heavy uh, question, but I think it's important that we discuss it. So uh, the first question is this, is it bad to have anxiety about dying and leaving kids and family behind? Man, that is a, a, a great question. I think on some level, all of us who are parents and really all of us, period, we have loved ones. And so uh, we have to think about this at some point about leaving our families behind. And it, I know that it's not a pleasant thought. And so uh, to the person who asked this question, um, here's what I would say. I would say concern for your family, first of all, is great. I would actually be concerned if you weren't concerned uh, for your family and the thought of leaving them uh, without you in their life. And so... Um, but since your your question is uh, directly about anxiety and related to uh, leaving your family behind when you pass from this life to the next, I want to do my best uh, to address that. So the first thing I would ask you, actually, uh, is how is your relationship with Jesus? If, if you're thinking this and you're wondering uh, about this question yourself, I would ask you, to take inventory of your relationship with Jesus, and and I don't mean that to present to sound, excuse me to sound presumptive at all. I want you to understand that I, I'm presuming obviously that you're a, a follower of Christ because it's it's something that you're concerned about uh, leaving your family behind. Will you see them again? 
what will it be like for them? And so I'm, there's some assumption here that you're a, a follower of Christ. And so uh, I don't mean this to sound presumptive whatsoever, but I think it's important that we take inventory to see where we are in our faith. And the reason I say that is because I believe that the more time we spend uh, cultivating our relationship with Jesus, the more confidence we have in our salvation. And so let me repeat that for you one more time. I believe that the more time we spend cultivating our relationship with Jesus, the more confidence that we will have in our salvation. I want you to think about this passage in uh, the book of Jude. It's verse 24, and here's what he said. He said, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. And I, I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, when I hear that verse, it provides me an enormous amount of comfort uh, because I know that ultimately my hope and my trust is not in myself uh, to be able to save myself, uh, but my faith and my hope and my trust is in Christ. Now, also think about Psalm 23 and uh, verse 4 it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And uh, I actually recently had the privilege of walking through uh, with a, a wonderful lady of faith the last days of her life here on earth. And she lived a wonderful life. Uh, she had complete confidence uh, in her salvation. Uh, but just like you, she told me that she really was concerned uh, about leaving her family behind and she couldn't wait to see Jesus. She was in her eighties. She couldn't wait to see Jesus, but she was not ready to leave her family. And so you should understand, first of all, that this is a very normal emotion. Uh, Like I said before, I would be concerned if you didn't have concerns about leaving your family behind. And so uh, it's, it's very normal for us to wonder and think about and be concerned about leaving our families behind but when when we die. Uh, but since we have this we have this hope in Christ, we can understand that we don't have to be afraid. You know, Christ has given us provision. He has made provision for us by his death and his resurrection uh, to be with him forever and so can our family. And so therefore I would say we have the assurance of salvation in Christ. Uh, when we leave this world and we understand that it's not goodbye, that it is really, truly see you later. And so my advice to you would be to make sure that you're cultivating your relationship with Jesus continually. That has to be absolutely number one, always cultivating and working on your relationship with Christ. Uh, I would say make sure you read uh, the Bible consistently uh, and because we get our minds renewed by the word of God, and it's important for you to understand who he is. And then when you understand who he is, uh, you begin to understand who you are in light of who he is and what he's done uh, for us. Uh, I would also say, make sure that you're instilling the Bible in your children. Make sure you read the, the Bible with your kids. Talk to them about the Bible and help them to learn to be curious about the Word of God. Also, make sure they live, they see you live your faith out consistently and authentically. Don't be somebody at church 
and be a completely different person when you go home because nobody likes somebody who is duplicitous. And so your children will see straight through that and they'll remember that, you know, they were like this at church and out in public, but you know, when we were home, it was completely different and it was really rough and they acted completely uh, uncharacteristic of the things that they said they believed. So make sure that you walk through your, your life, living your faith authentically. And if your faith is real, if your faith is genuine, your kids are going to see that. And then lastly, I would say, really what I say to everyone when they ask me a difficult question or really any question, and uh, that's this. Trust the Lord with your whole heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Proverbs makes that very clearly. And so trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. If he is able to uh, redeem us from our sin, bring us into salvation. He's able to keep us just as Jude said. And so ultimately our children, our families, our lives are his. And so I think one of the biggest takeaways uh, from a question like this that I want you to, to take with you and remember is that you never have to worry about something you've given completely to God. If you've given it to God, you don't have to worry about it. It's his and he is faithful. Just know that God is so faithful, and he will never, ever let you down. I can tell you that for sure. He's never, ever let me down, and I know because of my history with him that I can trust him, and so don't worry. Trust God. Pray and believe that he is going to keep you and that he is going to take care of your family when you pass, uh, whenever that time is. And that actually uh, kind of leads me into the next question uh, that I got. And uh, man, uh, this is a big one. And please understand that I'm going to do my best to give you a comprehensive answer, uh, but I cannot give you an exhaustive answer in the amount of time uh, that we have uh, here today. So here's the question. Can we lose our salvation? Let me make sure that we we understand the exact question because the words matter. Can we lose our salvation? Can salvation be lost? And this is a huge question. Uh, there have been a ton of heated debates over this uh, by well-meaning believers for uh probably centuries and uh and definitely since the time of the reformation and uh and so i would say to you this no matter where you land on this if you're listening no matter where you land on this we should extend uh to other christ followers the same grace we desire so if somebody lands uh in a different area than you on this question please be kind to them please Treat them as Christ uh, uh, would have you treat them. And uh, I think of this verse, John 13, 35, and I think it would behoove us as believers to really focus on this uh, in this very divided time that we live in. And it's and here it is. It's by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
This is how everybody's going to know that you truly do have faith in Christ. And that is if you love one another. And so always show the love of Christ to everyone and especially those who share the same faith that we do. Okay. Now to the question, can we lose our salvation? I can tell you for sure that there've been plenty of times in my life that I did not quote unquote feel saved. Okay. I'm sure you can probably identify uh, with, with that feeling. If you've been a, a Christ follower for any amount of time, uh, you're going to go through a point where you kind of don't really feel saved. Even if you know deep in your heart, you don't always feel saved. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm sure that there's, there's plenty of you who identify with that feeling that sometimes, man, I just, man, I'm just having a rough day. I've made some bad choices today. Uh, it just feels like I'm far from God, and, and I know those feelings. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I don't deal with those things. And so sometimes we make mistakes. We say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. Uh, we dwell in our thought life on the wrong things. So and maybe we treated somebody poorly. Listen, it happens for sure. And these things often lead us as Christ followers uh, to feel like we've let God down or maybe we've disappointed him to the point where he wants nothing to do with us. And and that actually makes me, I want to share with you a story about my myself. Really, it's a very personal story that I've I've told a few times, but I grew up in the kind of theological thinking that you could lose your salvation every time you made a mistake or you sinned. And I know some of you grew up like me and you probably uh, had the same visual of God the Father that I did, that he was like Zeus with a lightning bolt, just ready to boom, just zap us and uh, anytime we messed up. And that was really my view of God. And and listen, I I mean, I thought you could lose your salvation like quickly. And it was so ingrained in me that it definitely affected how uh, I viewed God and how I viewed myself. And I remember in 2007, uh, we had just moved to Nashville at the end of 2006, and Bryn was pregnant with our first son, Cohen. And uh, at 37 weeks, uh, she began to show signs of preeclampsia, which is just uh, pregnancy-induced hypertension, but it can, it can get bad very quickly. And so they admitted her uh, and induced her on a Sunday night, I think at like 10 o'clock. It was late. We were going to be there all night. And the poor thing, she labored for 18 hours and never did progress past a very beginning point. And at this point in the afternoon on the Monday, uh, Cohen's heart rate started to drop. And the doctor said, listen, it's time. Uh, we're going to have to get this baby out. We're going to have to go do an emergency C-section. And here is what was going through my head. I want you to hear my thoughts. I'm sharing with you the deep thoughts of my heart in this moment, okay? Here's what I did. I asked God what I had done for my wife and my soon-to-be-born child to deserve going through this. What did I do, God, for them to be punished. Like, had I sinned so great that not only did I have no real hope of ultimate salvation, 
uh, but that God, you're going to actually punish my wife, uh, punish my newborn child because of my sin. And I hope you can see that that is an absolutely unhealthy, uh, extremely unhealthy view uh, of God, our Father, and of salvation. So here's the thing. Have you given your life to Christ? Do you desire to please him? Is your heart for him? Do you trust that the Holy Spirit will give you the strength and ability to obey the word of God? I like how Wayne Grudem says it in his systematic theology. He says, if you believe in him, you have eternal life. If you have confidence in Christ's work on your behalf, confidence in Christ's ability to take the penalty for your sins and confidence that Christ should let you into heaven based only on his work and not on yours, and that confidence is currently present in your life, then that confidence is an assurance of your true faith. And listen, I could not agree more. So my answer to to you on can I lose my salvation would be uh, to take you directly to the scriptures, which is our ultimate source of truth. We know that the, the, the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures are true in everything that they affirm. And so we can see in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting at verse one, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance. Remember that word, perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 2, in that passage, it calls Christ the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, it is because of Christ that we have faith in the first place and because of Christ that we can remain faithful until the day of salvation. And we call this the perseverance of the saints, okay? Or eternal security, okay? Uh, that is, is what this uh, would be termed as theologically speaking. And so therefore, my answer to you on can you lose your salvation would be an emphatic no. We cannot lose. Let me say that word again. We cannot lose our salvation. God doesn't rip salvation from us. So if we see the ongoing fruit of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and while it may seem at times as though we're struggling in life, an honest survey of our lives should show where the aim of our heart is. And so while I I do not believe that you can lose your salvation, here's where I may differ a little bit from some. I do believe that while we cannot lose our salvation, we can forfeit it. Okay? We live in a culture where uh, a word can mean a million different things that it was never intended uh, to mean. My, or it could be made up. My son plays Fortnite, but both of my sons play Fortnite. And my youngest son, Cannon, is always walking around yelling, yeet, Y-E-E-T. I have no idea what it means. Seems like it means, hey, that's awesome, or I'm excited about whatever this is. 
uh, but he uses it in a million contexts. And so I would tell you that uh, while our culture does not a high, have a high value of words, words do indeed matter. So while I believe you cannot lose your salvation, I do believe that you um, can forfeit it. And so I personally do not hold to a a, a pure uh, Arminian or Wesleyan Arminian uh, idea that salvation uh, can be uh, lost. I would align more with uh, the Calvinist thinking in this particular area. Uh, but where I differ from Calvinists is that many Calvinists, staunch Calvinists would say that if somebody falls away, what seems to us to be falling away is that they never really were saved. And so I can't completely line up with that, but I'll get to a little bit more of that in a bit. But I, I do believe that while God doesn't revoke salvation from those who are truly saved, uh, no more than I can revoke uh, the fact that my two sons and my daughter are actually my children, I do believe that we can see in Scripture those who walked away from Christ after uh, having a real conversion experience or having biblical scriptural proof that they were indeed a part of the church, a part of the family of faith. This this topic is very difficult. Like I said, there's been many discussions on this uh, for centuries. And so I'm just going to give you a couple of brief examples, uh, just give you an overview uh, so that hopefully you can, you can uh, dig into the study a little bit more. And so the first person I think of is Judas. But the Bible makes no mention of Judas being pardoned for betraying Jesus or uh, Judas asking for forgiveness. Now, it's, it's always dangerous to assume things, uh, but this seems to be at least a plausible hypothesis. So the, the wonderful thing is, though, and I think it's important that we all understand this, that I am not God. Okay, repeat that to yourself. I am not God. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? I am not God. <laughs> There's your therapy moment for just a second. And, and so, therefore, because I am not God, I cannot judge ultimately what's in a person's heart. Uh, so I can rest in that fact, knowing that as long as I know Christ and I live for him, uh, that's what matters. And so I trust him. And, and once again, I trust God. And so Paul also mentions uh, Demas as a, a fellow laborer for Christ in uh, the book of Philemon, in the book of Colossians. Uh, but eventually in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says that Demas left the faith because of his love for the world. So you can go check that out. And also in the New Testament, it's very clear that in the last days uh, that many are going to fall away from faith in Christ. Look at this, Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. One comes along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they not, may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. In time of testing, they fall away. They believe for a while. But in time of testing, they fall away. Look at this, 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. What did they just say? 
some will fall away from the faith. This is Paul writing to Timothy, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay? And then Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 14, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So therefore, I don't believe that one uh, that, that, that we can haphazardly or accidentally lose our faith, but I do believe that we, having been given free will, can walk away and deny our faith. Now, someone who's a strict Calvinist, like I said, would simply say that the person who seemed to walk away was never really saved. But I feel like the scriptures make the best argument for the ability to become an apostate, which is someone who's completely walked away from the faith, uh, willfully, okay? But as I've said before, there's more than one position on this, so we can kindly debate. We should debate with other believers, but please understand me, don't debate a topic like this with unbelievers. Somebody who's not a follower of Christ, uh, our job is to show them the love of Christ that they may come to saving knowledge of Christ. It's not for us to debate the deep theological things of the word with an unbeliever, okay? And, and so it's important that you understand that. I've seen so many people get in way over their heads and get discouraged and then discourage other people from following Christ because they were arguing about a subject with which they had no business arguing with someone. And this actually makes me think of my grandfather. Yesterday, February 12th, was my maternal grandfather's birthday. Uh, his name was R.C. Higginbottom. Most people called him Bob. Uh, he went to be with the Lord in October of 2014, and the C in R.C. Uh, is Calvin, and I, yes, I am named after him. And so uh, those who know me have heard me uh, mention him plenty uh, of times. He was, as I say, he was my person, and I still love him very dearly. And he was a pastor. He was an evangelist. From the age of 20, he gave his life to Christ. Get this, in an Oral Roberts tent revival, Halloween night, 1953. Uh, he definitely lived a life of awesome faith, and he and my grandmother have amazing stories of God doing miraculous things for them uh, and in their lives throughout their, their life together. And uh, my grandmother's still here with us, and I love her very dearly. And my grandfather uh, survived tuberculosis as an infant, and he had several other near-death experiences that God uh, saved him and spared him. And uh, honestly, Grandpa was my hero. When he came to faith, he kind of came into faith, into church in a, a Pentecostal persuasion. Okay, Listen, I'm not here to disparage those who self-identify as Pentecostals. Believe me, I am very thankful for my Pentecostal upbringing, my Pentecostal roots. There are things where... I differ theologically with uh, my Pentecostal upbringing, okay? And my grandfather, he uh, took it a step further, and uh, he followed uh, the doctrine of Pentecostal holiness. And so holiness uh, is not exclusive to Pentecostals, okay? Uh, it, and it's really a continuation of the Wesleyan-Arminian tradition 
that number one, salvation can be lost and regained an infinite number of times, okay, and that the believer uh, can eventually lend, uh, live a sin-free life here on earth, and that ultimately holiness is as much, if not more, a work of our own doing uh, as it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I remember when my grandfather was uh, in his last days here on earth that he was actually very troubled. And this, uh, honestly, this really surprised me. I did not expect this. It, it kind of threw me for a loop. And he was having nightmares. He was concerned as uh, to whether or not he was truly saved, whether he was really going to heaven. And uh, he was just, to be honest, he seemed scared. And I can tell you that next to uh, his wife, my dear sweet grandmother, Mary, I've never met anyone who loved Jesus uh, as much as him. Okay. Now, listen, okay. He was like me, is little knuckleheaded, very strong willed and stubborn, but he definitely lived a life that honored God and exuded the faith that was, at least for him, the central part of his entire being. So for me, uh, it was exceptionally difficult to see my grandfather, uh, this man who uh, I had looked up to my entire life because of his faith, actually struggle in his faith at the end of a life of faith well lived. And so when talking about this, I, I always say that when my grandpa got to heaven, he threw up his hands and said, whoa, it was that simple? Wait a minute. It was that Simple? Why would I say that? Because Grandpa finally understood the grace that he'd been given. Now listen, this this does not diminish us doing our best to live empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live a holy life. But it, it does lead me uh, to this passage in Ephesians. Uh, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I felt like my grandfather was worried that he hadn't done enough, that he hadn't been good enough, that he hadn't been holy enough to make it to heaven despite 50-plus years, 60-plus years of walking in the faith, walking in ministry, living his life completely in the service of God. We understand that we are saved by grace through faith. It's by faith in God's grace and Christ's completed work on the cross and in the resurrection that we can be saved. Nothing we can do on our own will get us saved. There's such peace in knowing that because Jesus did it. It's assured to those of us who believe. And this leads me to my final question uh, to answer today. So, no, I don't think you can lose your salvation. And uh, I think all of us who walk in Christ, uh, do struggle at some point like my grandfather was struggling, knowing that there are times in our lives where we didn't walk with him as well as we could have, or maybe even not at all. Maybe we think about the many mistakes that we made, and I'm sure that this is what was on my grandfather's heart at the last of his days. And so the question is this, since we're believers and Christ has cleansed us from our sins, how are we to view our past? How are we to view our past in light of our newfound faith? How should we view the sin? How should we view the mistakes 
the things that we did, the, the life that we lived before. I want to take you to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, some of you can probably quote this, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but we live according to the spirit. So we need to understand that because we're covered by the blood of Christ, there's no more condemnation to us. There is no condemnation to us. It's important to understand that there is a single caveat for this, yes, and that's that our past is actually our past. In other words, we're no longer living as we did prior to giving our lives to Christ. Romans chapter 6, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. So if our past is truly in the past and we've repented, we've made a 180 from our previous lives. I like to call it our BC. It's before we met Christ, okay? If, we, if we've turned to 180, we've repented, and we're doing everything we can to live obedient to Christ, then our past is nothing to be ashamed of because we look back and we see that God redeemed our past, This is why I think the enemy works so hard to help us forget what God's done in our lives. Our testimony is our history with God. Think about it uh, as your story with God. It was like this, I lived like this, then God. And now I live like this and I have new life. It's so important that we don't forget what God has brought us through, whether uh, that's the sin in our past, the sins we've committed as followers of Christ, or the struggles and trials that he's brought us uh, through on our journey of faith, we should always remember. Listen, Psalm 77, verse 11, one of my favorite passages in the scripture. But then I'll recall all you have done, O Lord. I'll remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. David here uh, in Psalm 77 was remembering all that God had brought him through at a time when his heart was growing faint on him. Look at this passage from 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Verse 20, if our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Think about that. What an amazing idea that God knows us better than we know ourselves. Remember, while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, still Christ died for us. So I would encourage you uh, to trust not, not only that God has forgiven you, that he's thrown your sins and the memory of your sins as far as the east is from the west. 
Okay. In, in other words, he chooses not to remember them and he looks at you and he sees the blood of Christ covering you. So have confidence and boldness as you approach God and don't allow your heart to condemn you. Uh, listen, I get it. I'm the hardest person to forgive. We are the hardest people to forgive. Okay. Uh, we are the hardest on ourselves. So listen, forgive yourself. Christ has forgiven you. Forgive yourself. And although we can't completely forgive and forget, okay, we forgive ourselves. And although we remember what we've done, we remember what Christ has brought us out of. That's where the power is. Uh, Understanding that we forgive ourselves and remembering that even though we did all of that, that Christ still loves us and forgave us. And so we should be able, as Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 4 tells us, to approach the the throne of grace boldly. Look at this, verse 14 in Hebrews chapter 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us boldly uh, come to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Man, when we need it the most. I don't know about you, but I need God's grace continually. I mean, continually. I need uh, the awareness uh, of God's grace, which is just his unmerited favor and love in my life. It's not about how good or how bad I can be or have been. It's always been about how good he is. Don't focus on you. Focus on Christ and how good he's been and that we can approach the Father boldly because of Jesus. And I hope, listen, I hope that you enjoyed this episode today. I know it was pretty fast moving. And if you haven't subscribed yet, Uh, Take a minute, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform uh, you're listening on. You can follow me on social media at Pastor Chats. Uh, And if you're enjoying the podcast, listen, uh, take a minute, share an episode and and help the audience uh, grow. If you'd like to ask me a question for the next Ask Me Anything episode, feel free to email me at calvin at pastor.chat. That's calvin at pastor.chat. And listen, I I hope that you understand that this was not anywhere near exhaustive on any of these topics. We could spend so much more time covering these topics. And I don't want you to be discouraged because you don't fully understand everything. Listen, if there's anything that I've gotten uh, to understand better and better as I continually study, as I continue to grow in my understanding of God in my knowledge of his ways, there's one thing I know more than ever before, and that's that I don't know everything. So I'm not afraid to say, you know what, I don't know. But I'm also not afraid to try to answer the hard questions because I think we have to, because I believe that the scripture does. It's the source for truth for our life, and we have to understand that. And so I hope that you're encouraged today Uh, by this episode. I hope that you're encouraged uh, by this podcast and what I had to say. 
I'd love any feedback you have. Uh, feel free to email me or hit me up on social media. Uh, but I, before we leave, I want to leave you with this. Somewhere, someone is waiting on you to become who God has created you to be so that they can become who God has created them to be. Thanks for listening. Thank you.